You're listening to Body IO FM with your hosts, Kiefer and Dr. Rocky, where cutting edge science meets the razor's edge of health and performance. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Body IO FM with your host, Kiefer, and absent co host, Dr. Rocky, uh, who unfortunately could not make it today. I want to, of course, mention our sponsors, High Lead Athletic Wear. Check them out on the website. There's links uh, with discount codes. And also, actually, you, the audience, uh, you're a big supporter of this website or, and uh, the podcast by purchasing Carbonite and Carb Backloading. Thank you, everybody, for doing that. And for those of you who haven't, I suggest you... You check them out. A lot of great information there. That's carbnite.com, C-A-R-B-N-I-T-E.com, and carbbackloading.com. We also have Transforming Recipes. So Fit Living Foodies also supports this show uh, with their Transforming Recipes that can be found at transformingrecipes.com and transformingrecipes.com slash desserts for what are probably the most amazing carb-free desserts I've ever had. I, I was impressed at the creations they came up with. So today we are, you know, this has been a recurring theme on my podcast recently, uh, but we're revisiting paleo and actually looking at uh, the future of paleo and also you know, an interesting topic that my guest today, Keith Norris of Paleo FX and ArxFit brought up. Something that's not talked about often is the intersection of paleo diet and strength training. It's not it's not talked about widely, and I, I honestly I don't think it's understood very well. And Keith knows this better than most people. So welcome to the show, Keith. Dude, what's going on? Not much. Glad to have you back on. It's always a good conversation. It is. It's always a good conversation. Um, we share a lot of the same ideas, and I think we have some interesting conversations when we get together. Yeah, for sure. We should have recorded some of the stuff whenever we sat at coffee shops. That would Those would have been great podcasts. Yeah, or the badass uh, barbecue here in Austin. Oh, yeah. During those times, yeah, for sure. Yeah, although we were stuffing our faces more than we were talking at the barbecue places. <laughs> As it should be. Right. <laughs> So let's just jump in. I, the audience knows my feeling on paleo and where I think its failings are. Uh, so let's, and, and I know you, of of all people in the community, actually have been pretty much on the forefront of being very open to other ideas and kind of integrating those ideas into paleo and 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 really encouraging that conversation. And you do a good job at that with Paleo FX by bringing in such divergent attitudes to have those discussions that people can listen to. Yeah. I, uh, you know, talking about that Kiefer, I remember, um, two years ago when I brought up, Hey, we ought to have this Kiefer guy come into paleo FX. And all I got was what the hell are you talking about? That guy's not paleo. <laughs> right. But I was like, <laughs> I know he's not quote unquote paleo, but the dude's super sharp. And he's got some good ideas, and if you look at his ideas, you can tweak it to make it quote-unquote paleo if you choose to. Let's bring him in and open up the discussion. And oh, by the way, why don't we put him on a panel with Kate Shanahan? Wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> right. Which is, I mean, it, and you know that that's what we want to do with paleo FX. I'm not here to say what your diet should be. 
I'm not here to proclaim how you should work out. I want to give you options. And that's what we do at Paleo FX. I give you within the big umbrella of what could be considered good health. And there are certain things that fall outside of what we could consider to be good health. Let's just say straight up vegetarianism. I don't think that's the right answer for long lasting health. And, you know, so you're probably not going to have too many vegetarians represented on panels at Paleo FX. Right. Although if they were to come up with a compelling argument, I would I would more than welcome them on a panel because, I, you know, we learn through discussion. We none of us have the answer. We might think we do. But if we open up our minds and challenge our convictions to other points of views, which is what happened with when you came to PaleoFX, Kiefer, a lot of minds were opened. They listened to your ideas and they're like, huh, this guy does have some correct ideas. And the expansion or the discussion expanded, which is exactly what we want. That's yeah, exactly and then what we want. On the panel, you had me drop the bomb. Everybody's talking about nutrient density and vegetables. And, you know, there I go. Well, the only reason to eat vegetables is yep. as a vessel for butter, uh, which amazingly which, went resonated with the audience. Oh, yeah, that, that went viral. And, and it's, <laughs> it, I mean, it, and a lot of people, you know, might have, it might have, yes, that, that idea might have been dormant in their subconscious. But once it was uttered by someone who wasn't paleo, you know, quote unquote paleo, it was like, oh, oh, hell. Yeah, he's right. Hey, I like this guy after all. <laughs> so we have more in common than we than the differences we have, which is, you know, that is paleo FX in a in a nutshell. Let's bring these people together. They might not all, because none of us, you know, I consider myself probably the most quote unquote paleo guy out there because I run a conference. Um, I, I live my life under those dictates for the most part, but if you look at my lifestyle in general, if you look at Rob's Wolf, Rob Wolf's lifestyle in general, if you look at um, Mark Sisson in general, his lifestyle, we all diverge a little bit here and there. But the greater umbrella, I mean, we could all agree on the greater umbrella, although the specifics of how we operate might be a little bit different. And it's cool to discuss those specifics and kick them around and, you know, and um, you try them out, see if they fit, if they don't fit, discard them, move on to something else. And that's what Paleo FX is all about. It's giving you th those ideas under that general umbrella, give you some ideas to try. Yeah. And that, that's a good point of, you know, having those ideas. Cause I think in discussing everybody's approach is a little different. Uh, you know, what I try to put out there and, and what you're talking about is, you know, I try to describe frameworks, I try to be very careful about not specifying uh, very detailed, okay, this is your macronutrient split. You need to make sure you get this. You need to make sure you have these vegetables. You need to, you know, I, I don't do that. I try to provide a framework that people can create the perfect program for themselves for that period of time. And that's, I, I think, you know, knowing some of the people who were really in the beginning of paleo and helping to shape it and form it, that was the same attitude. It wasn't, you know, you've got to do this, this, or this. It was more about here's a framework. If you live within this framework, which is pretty broad, really, if you really think about paleo, if you live within this framework, you're going to be healthier. Maybe you won't be as lean as you could possibly get, you know, whatever, but we can, we can tweak for those goals later. But if you are in this framework, you're going to be healthier. Uh, and, you know, I... I just took those frameworks a little bit farther 
uh, in some of the recommendations I made, basically. Yeah, for sure. That's that's totally what it's what it's all about. I mean, it. Um, I guess you know if I if something really really gets to me about the discussions that go on between you know within the paleo communities and then the hardcore paleo Nazis and you know we can go down a lot of paths there, but once. Once we discuss an idea, any idea, paleo, any idea in philosophy, whatever, and we start either posing or trying to answer these questions in a binary fashion, black, white, yes, no, is that paleo, is that not paleo, that you've lost the discussion already, you're not going to learn anything because everything has context. If you right. look at what my day was like yesterday, it was anything but quote unquote paleo. Right. I mean, I got up with an alarm at 4 a.m., did not want to get out of bed. Oh my God, I wanted to sleep some more because the day prior was pretty rough. I got up, I trained clients from six in the morning until roughly 3 p.m. that afternoon, had very little time for a break. And let me tell you, when I train clients, I might as well be training myself. I am all about it. I'm all up in their grill. I'm the motivator. <laughs> I'm changing, you know. So it's not an easy task. I, I crammed some, okay, we can have the discussion about, you know, paleo treats. What did I have time to eat? I had time for a protein shake in the morning with some egg yolks. I gulped that down, and I mean gulped because I didn't have time. Right. I ran out the door, you know, a 30-minute drive, got into work, and I hit the ground running. And all I had time to shove down my pie hole during that eight hours or so was a couple of, I don't know if I can plug somebody else's stuff here, but Steve Sticks, grass-fed, beef, jerky-ish type thing. That's all I ate. I went immediately from that to help a friend move um, Amish furniture for five <laughs> hours. And I don't know if anybody's <laughs> dealt with Amish furniture, but it's the, heavy as crap. Yeah, that it stuff is, is amazing. It, but So that was my day. I did not eat until... 8 p.m. that night, and I was calling Michelle on my way home. Um, my wife, Michelle, said, hey, what are we having for dinner? She's like, I don't know. I thought you were, <laughs> you were handling that because <laughs> she is living about the same. I mean, she's blowing and going too. So we're like, damn, okay. So what we agreed to was bacon and eggs and, oh, my God, some boiled potatoes because that's all we had time for. Yeah. And that's what we – so that was my day. Um, was that paleo, you know, you, you could be argued, yeah, I did the best I could with what I had, which is what I did. Um, but lifestyle wise, do I need to be doing that all the time? Hell no. I mean, that killed me. I'm sitting here right now going, shit, am I going to work out today or not? I'm feeling pretty beat up. Right. I just came out of a bunch of meetings today. I'm having this podcast with you. I'm going into an, another bunch of, uh, paleo FX meetings after this. Again, what, what did I eat when I woke up this morning? I had another protein shake with egg yolks. Was that the best thing for me to have? Probably not. But I mean, you see this, right. everything is in context. I don't live an idealistic life. I don't live, you know, I'm not a back to the lander, although I think that's cool for people who want to do that. Mm -hmm. But I live this lifestyle because this is what I choose. I choose to be in the mix. I want to make things happen. Um, I like working with startups that, I mean, that's just a drug to me. For better or worse, I love being in the middle of stuff like that. I love being in the middle of the firestorm. Does that affect my health? It probably does. But I do the best I can with what I've got. And 
at the same time, making myself mentally happy and, you know, that I've, that I've accomplished something in my day. And that's what makes me healthy. Now, I take those, the paleo prescripts and I apply them to how I want to live my life. Is that quote unquote paleo to some of the paleo Nazis? Probably not. They're probably aghast right now at hearing what I just did the last couple of days. Right. But that's the name of the game. You have to apply these concepts and apply them to where your station is in life. And that is, that's what it's all about. Now get back to Paleo FX. I want to give you options. If you want to be a back to the lander, I get it. I see the appeal to that lifestyle. I totally get it. Could I live it myself? Hell no. I would go batshit crazy after three days. I got to get back in the mix. I got to be in a place like Austin where there's a new startup every 15 minutes. That's what keeps me energized. So anyway, I'll get off my soapbox there. That, no, that was a rabbit hole. Neither no. of us intended to go. Yeah, it, it's, it's actually perfect, though. It exemplifies, you know, were you paleo, were you not paleo, whatever. But yeah. you've got a framework that you know works. And that's the important thing here. People, if, if they're, you know, you, you, you know this, you've seen this firsthand with clients that have come in. Uh, I've seen it firsthand. It's still out there everywhere. If your framework is so tightly defined that a day like you had yesterday completely obliterates your ability to eat correctly, that's the wrong framework. You know, yep, if the fr- sure. framework's broad and gives you some general principles that you can always modify to your situation – that's the right framework. And I think everybody, that should be the most basic thing they do to evaluate any diet plan or exercise plan that they use for any situation. I don't even care if it's contest prep where you usually do get into a lot of minutia. That can still be a flexible, livable, non-stressed diet plan and exercise totally. plan. Totally. Uh, and, and if you don't know how to do that, you don't know what you're doing. That's right. the bottom line. If you, if you can't live by a framework and make it work under any circumstances, then you don't know that particular, that particular topic you're talking about. You don't know nutrition then. All you know is copycat, but right. you can't formulate yourself. And you need to get past copycat. Every, everybody starts with copycat. Everybody, that's the launch pad. And I get it. You have to have you have to have something to look at, a pattern to try to begin to recognize, but you better move beyond that pretty quick or you're just going to be – you'll never move beyond. You'll be stuck in that pattern and always dependent upon somebody else. Yeah, and I think it alleviates a lot of stress. People – and I've seen this in you know friends of mine that I do help directly and clients. They're so stressed, about, stressed out about their diet that they actually start to limit their gains and and then they hang out with me. You know, I tell them what to do, I give them the basics and they start following it, you know, which with such amazing attention to detail and then they hang out with me for a week and they see how I eat and they see how I look and they're, you know, they're like, you know, after I spent a week with you, I relaxed about all these things I was stressing about and boom, suddenly I started losing weight again. It's like, yeah, you don't, that, that's the whole point. Like these things are very, and the word I like to use, they're very robust. If you are in the right framework, you can deviate, you can make it easier. Uh, sometimes maybe you want to make it harder. I know for some people mentally, that's what they need. But, it, you know, in general, it's, it is so damn easy. It really is. Dude, and I don't know if we want to go down this rabbit hole, but stress 
chronic stress is the biggest negative anybody can have in their life. It, it, and that, you, it, I don't care how good your diet is. I don't care how good your workout program is. But if you are constantly stressed over said workout program, over said diet, you're never going to get anywhere. It is such a drag on the metabolism and the, the human metabolism. Yeah, it, 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 I've seen it time and time and time again. Everything is dialed in, but the person is stressed to the gills. Train wreck. Total train wreck. See here. So, yeah, we can go down this uh, rabbit hole because actually, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I know that it's I, I've talked about it on a recent podcast with uh, Laura Schoenfeld. And, you know, there, there's kind of this can of worms that's been opened recently about well, you shouldn't shouldn't be low carb, and I know Chris Cresser's done an entire series now on you know things you should know about ketogenic diets, how to tell if you're not getting enough carbohydrates, how to introduce enough carbohydrates, and obviously these things go completely contrary to the recommendations I make, at least the way the recommendations sure. are being made. And you just talked about okay, for dinner we had bacon and eggs and some boiled potatoes. So mm -hmm. just what. What is your feeling about this push of paleo kind of pushing off the idea of being ketogenic or ultra low carb? I like to say ultra low carb because most people never go ketogenic, even if they think they're eating a ketogenic yep. diet. Uh, what, are, what are your feelings on this kind of dichotomy, uh, you know, is, is what I feel. There's this dichotomy entering into, okay, well, paleo is definitely not ketogenic or ultra low carb. Therefore, if you're ultra low carb or ketogenic, you're not paleo and you're going to get sick. Uh, which which yeah, is well, really that, the message that's out there. Yeah. Well, well, I think the key word there was dichotomy. There's, that's one. I mean, give me context. Okay. Why, why are you going ketogenic or why are you attempting to? And the first question would be is, are you doing it right? Are you really in a ketogenic state? Um, so, uh, for example, what I see a lot of times is I see a lot of, um, weekend warrior type athletes, which is what I train mostly. Um, very, very sharp individuals for the most part. You know, if I, if I were to paint a picture of my clientele here at Efficient Exercise, it's a type A uh, attorney who's working 80 hours a week. Mm -hmm. That's the type of person I see. But oh, who, by the way, wants to be a badass athlete too, which I get it. I mean, you want it all, right? Right. Um, a, a person like that wants to go, quote unquote, ketogenic because he heard it on a podcast or he read a book and, you know, he, he saw somebody super cut who was, who was supposedly on a ketogenic diet. And I'm, you know, and it's just like, okay, where do I start with answering this question? Where do, where do I even begin? Um, I mean, on the flip side of that, first of all, you know, trying to explain to this person that if you keep going at the pace you're going, can you, can you go quote unquote ketogenic. Yes, you can. Is it going to be hell for a couple of weeks living the way you do and working out the way you do? Oh yeah. Are you liable to crash and burn if you don't do this correctly? Yes. Um, what would be the danger in your mind of doing some kind of a carbohydrate, uh, backload or carb night or, you know, cyclic ketogenic diet, which I think, um, I think Kiefer, if you go all the way back to the roots of what we're talking about here, the cyclic ketogenic diet has been around for a good long time. And I mean, it's a, it's a wonderful diet if pulled yeah. off correctly. Couple, a couple hundred diet. years, actually. I mean, you could argue. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, so, you know, 
usually by the time we get here, I've lost the person completely because their eyes have rolled back and they're just like, I'm talking about not eating any carbohydrates. I don't right. know what the hell you're talking. Um, so I'm like, um, I'm trying to think of the philosopher. Ba- basically the, basically the premise is, you know, you give somebody a little bit of knowledge, they're freaking dangerous as hell because then they think they know it all. And they've got that little bit of knowledge and it's enough to hurt them. If you want to, you know, if you want to operate and you want to, to call yourself truly knowledgeable, you better know the ins and outs of what you're doing. Um, Christ, I can't even remember what the original question was now that I went on that rant. Uh, just your feeling in the, that dichotomy and this attitude that you've, you've got to start adding carbs back into your diet, which, you know, what, what's interesting is all the arguments everybody that I've heard on the paleo side make against ketogenic like, oh, it affects your, your thyroid and you know, there's a big difference in the type of carbs you eat. All these things, those are, those are actually – a the thyroid issue is completely fixable with one carb feeding a week. Okay, so that's mm-hmm. not strictly ketogenic but seen that dozens of times in Rocky's clinic. If they've got thyroid yep. issues, you introduce a, one carb feeding a week. And it goes away. So that problem's easy to fix. And this attitude that there's something magical about natural unprocessed carbs, that processed carbs uh, are dangerous or unhealthy, at the end of the day, I don't care if you got it from a potato or some processed food item, carbohydrates get burned in the identical way as glucose in the cell, and they both cause the exact same type of cell damage. End of story. I don't, I don't care where your carb sources come from. So introducing carbohydrates on a regular basis, you know, from morning to evening into your diet is going to cause you problems. End of story. I don't care what your carb source is. Yes. And that's just a fact. I mean, we, we know the science behind that. So, you know, I'm, one thing that's bothering me is people who are pinnacles of the paleo community are making these statements that are false. They're just flat yep. out false. And so, you know, I was wondering what your attitude is on that. I mean, we we talked about stress. Stress is a great example. If you put somebody on carb night, in those instances, cortisol becomes a magic hormone. Now, you don't want to be chronically yep. stressed forever, but if you're going through a stressful period in your life, cortisol in the absence of raised blood sugar levels and raised and elevated insulin levels mobilizes more body fat. It helps you to use glycogen stores in your liver and your muscles more effectively. It helps to repair connective tissue. Uh, you know, it helps, it can actually help to preserve lean body mass, it, assuming your diet has enough fat in it. So, it, yep. you know, cortisol is actually this amazing hormone and I'm sure everybody has seen this or experienced it. You have friends and when they get stressed out, one of two things happen. They're the type of stressed out person who overeats a lot, goes to comfort food like ice cream and those things, and they get fatter than you've ever seen them get before in an amount of time that is very short. Or the flip side, you get the depressed people or stressed people or whatever who when that happens, they don't eat. They don't feel like eating and they lean out. They don't become emaciated. They actually lean out. Now, these aren't Obviously, scenarios we want for a long period of time, but the difference in those populations is that one, cortisol has become dangerous because you're introducing so many carbs so often. And in the other situation, cortisol was able to do the healthy things that it can do. 
and, and that's the problem I have with this push towards more and more carbohydrates in a paleo diet is, you know, if you're really stressed out, you need to do the easiest thing diet-wise that you can. And to be honest, not many people complain about being ultra low carb for periods of time if they get a carb refeed at some point. Uh, so that that's kind of where I'm coming from at this. You know, we, like you said, context is everything and we can make very simple diets for people who are stressed and we can make that stress at least as beneficial as it could possibly be instead of fighting against it and making it as detrimental as it could possibly be. Um, so th those yeah, are for sure. Yeah. And, and that's, yep. I'm nodding my head up and down, which doesn't, yeah. uh, <laughs> right. well yeah. And, and that's what kind of worries me about the, the paleo, this shift in paleo that I've seen in, in the yeah. different camps that are there is, you know, that I will admit paleo people are very in tune with gut health and the science around that and the science around uh, potential food toxins, uh, all that kind of stuff, you know, whatever you want to name. But where I will say that paleo is the weakest in their understanding of the science is exactly what you just discussed, a, a cyclic ketogenic diet, although I would argue cyclic ketogenic diets don't exist. They're just cyclic carbohydrate diets. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that understanding in the paleo community is very poor, and I think that could cause problems. I think, um, you know, on that whole topic area, it again, it becomes <laughs> that whole topic area. <laughs> it becomes it's a question of context. And again, it's a question of binary thinking. You know, it's, it's carbs are bad, no carbs are good. No, there's context there. They're not totally bad. Of course not. They're not totally good. Of course not. You know, there's context. It's what is your lifestyle? When are you eating these carbohydrates? How much are you eating? All of that stuff is, it has to be, has to be looked at and taken in account. But I think what, where these arguments start is the, uh, Americans in general love this type of argument, Right. They love the, you know, I'm going to make a bold statement that is, that is completely binary one way or the other. And now we've got an argument going. Everybody wants to know who the, who the winner is, who the loser is. There's no, there's no fun in taking, a, taking an idea, taking a subject and discussing it back and forth rationally and saying at the end of the day, huh, well, context matters. It could be good or it could be bad. Nobody likes that, except those who are willing to think a topic all the way through. People like that enjoy that, but that's such a such a minority. <laughs> it's such a minority that you're never going to get any push if your if your ultimate um, reason for uh, for posing this question or or engaging in this argument is to get clicks, um, to get social engagement, that right. kind of thing. So. Um, I, I guess it's, uh, you know, a lot of it is consumer beware, you know, are, are you posing the question in an attempt to actually learn something at the end of the day, or are you posing a question just to start a firefight? Um, and, and I think that's, you know, that's where that comes from. So if a person really wants to learn something, they can pose a question in a certain way. If they're, you know, if they have the time and the willingness to sit back and, you know, the debate, the, um, 
the merits and the uh, demerits of, of different ideas. I mean, that's one thing. If you just want to fist fight, that's another, you know, that's totally another. And nobody wins in that. Right. Nothing gets solved. Um, and, and I, I am in the former camp. I want to actually learn or I actually want to teach. So, you know, my end point is the truth. I want to know the truth of the matter. I don't, you know, I'm not care. I don't care about being in a certain camp or not. I don't care whose camp the truth lies in. That's the one I want to be in. I don't care who it is. So that's my ultimate end game. And I think as a consumer of information, you, if you truly want the truth, you have to come with it with that mindset. Oh, yeah. So that's a whole philosophical rabbit hole we can go down. Yeah. Well, we jumped around a bit. Right. Well, speaking of, you know, that discourse, uh, for those who are interested, and I'll try to find a link because I found it online once, but there was this fantastic debate between Bertrand Russell, who is basically the the father of modern logic, staunch atheist, and uh, a, a priest who was the opposite end of the spectrum. You know, he very well educated, very intelligent, but obviously very religious. And they had a debate that they that was recorded, and you could not have two people farther apart in their attitudes or their beliefs. And the debate was so interesting to me because it never got heated. They both got to a point where they realized, well, we can't argue any further. You know, it never became an ad hominem attack. They didn't attack each other personally. You know, it was just they really did this amazing job of debating their positions. And they both realized when they got to a point that they could no longer continue the conversation. And that, that was, so educational for me to listen to, to listen to those two people have that interaction that I, I do try to carry that into this, this field. You know, there, there is a point where, you know, you just got to realize somebody believes something that uh, is beyond the realm of what we know scientifically. And once we hit that point, we just, everybody needs to step back and say, well, you know what? We don't have enough information to extrapolate that far. So, I'm going to continue doing what I'm doing. You continue what you're doing, and we will wait and see what science says. And you know, I I love that attitude, but I don't see it very often. People will start making shit up to yep. to really reinforce their position, and I think that's a disservice to everybody. I mean, just just admit it. It's like, look, we don't have enough information for these things. Some of it is compelling. Uh, it it's very compelling. We've seen this out in the real world, but when we start getting down to the minutia and who's absolutely right, we just can't say. So hey, this is working for this group of people. Go for it. This is working for this group of people. Go for it. The people who are trying one of these two approaches and having a lot of problems. Well, okay. Uh, well, you just heard an alternative. Maybe you need to go try the alternative instead of being so militant about what you're doing. Uh, and and that. Yeah, that- yeah, there's a huge difference between defending vehemently your prior convictions and actually discussing and trying to learn something and keeping an open mind and questioning your convictions. I think, you know, I'm, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I think one advantage I have is that I am constantly questioning my ideas constantly. And I mean, open it, it, the stuff that I read, the stuff that I ingest, the people I listen to. I opt to listen to people who have differing ideas in what I do on anything because 
my end game is to find the truth. You know, if I don't have the right idea, I want to know immediately and change course. I want to know it. Exactly. Because I don't want to hold to a prior conviction that's wrong. That does nobody any good. Right. And that's um, why I nobody I honestly, I know people I, I'm sure they've seen this because of how my attitudes change, but nobody is a bigger critic of my information than me. When somebody comes yeah, out sure. and yeah, when somebody comes out and says something or they're having trouble, like I am the first one to look at that and say, okay, does that have some legitimacy? And luckily that has helped shape everything that I do. And people are going to be shocked when car backloading two comes out. It is going to be such a thorough manual, but it w it's not car backloading one. You know, there are some significant differences and because people brought up great points, they led me in different directions in the research and I learned a ton more and then with working with people, I, I learned even more. So, you know, and, and I'm not scared of that. People, you know, I know I'm yeah. going to get some some uh, criticism for it, but I don't care. My only goal is, like you said, provide the best information that can be provided. And I don't care if that is opposite of what I said two years ago. So be it. I screwed up. Uh, you know, whatever – Whatever the reason, it was the best information I had at the time, and now I've got better information. Dude, I'll tell you what. I, I listen and I consider all criticism because I'm like, I can learn something from anybody and everybody. And if I can't learn something, that's my fault. That's bad on me. But one criticism that I will swipe away in a hurry is the criticism that five years ago you said this, and now you're saying this. And that's totally opposite. <laughs> I'm yeah. like – I learned something in five years. Right. I mean, you should be thrilled that I am saying, you know what? This is what I believe five years ago. Totally fucking wrong. I changed course. You should yep. be thrilled about that. The person you should be very skeptical of is that person who is singing from the same choir sheet as he was five years ago. Run from that person because that person is not expanding his knowledge base and yeah. or he's not questioning himself. That's yeah. a person you need to back away from pretty quick. Right, and, and you've got to think about just the logic behind that attitude because more information is published in the realm of human nutrition, metabolism, chronobiology. You can go through all of them that relate to the human body and diet, metabolism, exercise. More is published every day than a person could read in five years. Yeah amazing yes it's phenomenal so you nobody out there can tell me that well you know you should have one attitude that never changes i'm like are you kidding the rate at science is producing information yeah that is asinine yeah the only attitude you should have that doesn't change is the attitude or the willingness to learn new material and to question your own assumptions that's the only thing that should hold steady everything else should be up for debate and if yeah. it's not you are sunk and you should not be a teacher and or coach disseminating information. <laughs> right. And unfortunately, social media has given everybody a voice, whether that is appropriate or not. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And the stronger voices I mean, I are the ones who are polarizing, like you said earlier, those binary arguments and conversations. And I'm and I'm. I'm drawn to that. And so, you know, I'll, I'll right. like, what the hell is that guy saying? I, I mean, <laughs> right. it sucks you in. And I, I get it. I mean, it sells. It sucks people in and it sells. I get why it's done. Um, but at the end of the day, if you're if what you want to do is learn and you're trying to to ferret out the truth 
in this vast sea of information, you better think and hold another attitude. So, so you, know, you know, I, I carry this today. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say we're at a great place where you know, just what is I don't I don't know how much the well I, I don't know so I'm going to imagine the audience doesn't actually know really either like what is since we're here and and you and I are of the same context and I know you're you are constantly evolving what it is you talk about and and I've known that because every one of our conversations has some new layer to it that it didn't before like what what is your framework let's just you know because you've I yeah I know you personally I know how you look I know how you perform you're in great shape you you do an unbelievable amount of work while still being able to maintain your fitness level so what is your just you know broad framework that you work from diet wise? I think if I could, if I could boil it down to one thing that is, um, if it doesn't make sense as seen through the evolutionary lens, then I discard it. I mean, that would be the, the one sentence. Now, am I privy to every bit of information on that realm? No, but I've got a pretty good basis on which to base things. So what about your protein powder in the morning? Yeah, well, I mean, it's <laughs> it That's flexible what, enough to survive. And I know there's a difference between surviving and thriving. That's probably the second tenet, you know. So, so you know, people will, for instance, let's look at the uh, the rice and beans as a complete protein idea. It just it just is an example. Um, could it be argued that that's a complete protein? Huh, well, okay, um, if if that's all I had access to, zombie apocalypse, and that's all I had access to, believe me, I'll put a bullet in your head to get rice and beans. I'm going to survive. But if I have some nice animals around me, some nice fat and lambs, guess what I'm doing with the rice and beans? I'm shunning it. I can eat that crap. Right. I don't need to. Now I have another better source of food. So again, it's relative. Again, it's, you know, what's the context? Um, but that's generally the lens that I try to see everything through. And that's the same with my workouts. It's the same with my lifestyle. Does it work out that way in practice all the time? No. Do I beat myself up about it? No. Tomorrow's a new day. Today, I'm not moving Amish furniture. Today's going to be a little bit better day. So I will be able to eat a little bit better and recover from moving said Amish furniture for five hours. So yeah, we live in a context where evolutionary arguments aren't going to always hold up. I mean, how many people evolved having to, you know, in the middle of the day, lug around a bunch of Amish furniture? It just, you know, doesn't happen or deal with the stress of traffic or things like that. So, you know, I think the key word you said was flexibility. You give yourself the flexibility to move around within your framework. And I, for myself and my clients, I always tell them I have a picture in my mind of the ideal. This is the ideal situation. Then I put it in context with what is the realistic and what is the reality of this situation right now. So what does that boil down to? You do the best you can with what you got, where you're at. And that's the name of the game. If where you're at is mere survival, if that's the end game for you right here, right now, dude, chow down on the rice and beans. That's all I can tell you. You got to survive to get to the good times. But if you have other options around you, opt for the best 
option that you have currently, the best situation you have currently. And then, and this is key, don't freaking stress about it. Right. Go on. And, and again, it comes back to the chronic stress issue. That is so huge. Oh my God, that's so huge. And I can't stress, <laughs> pardon the pun, that enough on people. Well, I've got a challenge question for you. Sure. All right. Pure survival mode. Your options are food's very limited. You got to survive. Your options are, and obviously this is totally extraneous case. Your options sure. are rice and beans or McDonald's filet of fish, throw away the bun. Give me the, give me the fat, give me the fish. <laughs> I'm there we go. All day long. <laughs> and wait, I mean, that's easy, right? I didn't even think about that. Right, right. And, <laughs> but, you know, I think, I think if you were a staunch. And I would eat the bun probably. Right. So, you know, right, right there. And that's, that is a great just kind of synopsis of not being stuck in such a purist mindset that you wouldn't do it. I think that is the intelligent choice, honestly, besides, you know, if you got to compare the two side to side in survival mode, that's the intelligent choice. Uh, and I, I was, I was pretty sure you were going to choose the filet of fish or I wouldn't have asked, but, <laughs> <laughs> but that's um, a no brainer, right? In my world, that's a, you know, we're talking survival. Yes. Um, yeah, that's a no brainer to me. You know, I get hit, uh, quite a bit because I'm, and now in the last nine months or so have been backing a certain supplement company and people are like, mm -hmm. oh my God, supplements aren't paleo. <laughs> right. that question again. Supplements aren't paleo. Um, and again, the question comes to survival or thriving. That's the question. If you're in a, you know, if we're going back to the back to the land people, you know, to me, that's, that could be thriving on maybe a, uh, on a mental clarity and you know, reducing stress in your life and this, that, and the other. You know, to me, that's, to, to me that mode of living would be survival living. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm just getting by because I have other, other needs in my life that, that wouldn't lend to that type of lifestyle. Um, what I do like is hard charging for many hours throughout the day, which are both physically demanding and mentally demanding. Mm -hmm. um, and oh, by the way, you know, throw in some pretty badass workouts in between there. I'm going to supplement because the fact of the matter is I'm not going to be able to get it all from the foods I eat. And I'm pretty, pretty, for the most part, pretty choosy about the foods that I take in, but that's not going to get me to the thriving part. So, you know, this is a whole other question we could go down are supplements paleo it, it, that's one of those black and white questions that i'm sure will get bantied around you know forever and ever and ever and people are going to take both sides of the fence no context involved and just rant back and forth on a, a, either side of the fence on that and get nowhere it all boils down to context always boils down to context well and i think you brought up a good point and this is i think a good segue into talking about that strength training and resistance training in this context of whatever diet dietary regime that you want to be in whether it's ketogenic or paleo resistance training especially strength training or training for hypertrophy or any sort of serious performance training changes the game quite a bit 
And I think yes. that's ignored in so many communities. Like you've got, if you have a performance gain, you need to tune your diet to that goal. But, you know, one thing interesting about that and that an approach that you've taken in one of your businesses, ArxFit specifically, that I re- it really resonated with me is you actually did the opposite where, you know, not so much diet focus, but people have a certain lifestyle and they have a certain diet that works for them. And you've actually created a training paradigm, unlike anything I've seen anywhere, which is, you know, getting the actually creating equipment that allow that, you know, gives you the best, most possible stimulation for your muscle and nervous uh, muscular system and nervous system in the shortest amount of time. And it's it's a it's a brilliant kind of prescription. So let's talk about how that how those kind of morph into each other because on one side you've got you've created a training paradigm that is a a great injection essentially of activity that people need that can fit into their lifestyle and then we have the other spectrum of that where people's lifestyles are actually tuned around their training and those are two completely different worlds and how do you you know, just let's just talk about that. You know, how do you use that in your your facility? Because I know you train both, like you said, weekend warriors, and but you also like to be exposed to athletes. And uh, I know some of your trainers actually have some athletic goals as well. So how does that yeah. how does that kind of morph into your your training philosophy? Let's just say and diet philosophy around that. Sure. This. Um ArxFit tool, which is what we're talking about right now, is is at the same time so very, very simple and offers so many options depending on how it's utilized. So, um, it, and I know that's, you know, people listening to this that haven't seen the, the actual unit or like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? But essentially, this tool can be used for an athlete in a max effort situation. So we're talking, um, in a situation to where maybe you would, uh, load up a barbell as heavy as possible, but also you wanted to match the, uh, match your strength curve. So maybe you would throw chains into the mix. The idea being, I want to, um, I want to inroad the musculature to the maximum extent throughout the entire range of motion. That tool, excuse me, that tool will allow an athlete to do that. This tool would also allow um, someone who is, uh, let's say, rehabbing an ACL injury, which I've had a couple of them in here um, through this this gym who have had ACL injuries, ACL reconstructions. I've used the exact same tool that I would use on the fully functional, strong as hell athlete. Use the exact same tool on that person rehabbing a uh, an ACL reconstruction. And people can say, well, you know, how in the how in the hell is that possible? The way it's possible is this device actually, um, to put it in layman's terms, would mirror back the force that you produce upon yourself. So if all I can produce is uh, 10 units of force, that's what it's going to mirror back to me. If I could produce 1,000 units of force, that's exactly what it's going to mirror back to me. So 
essentially my musculature, my central nervous system, my entire body is taxed to my maximum potential in whatever exercise we're talking about. And that, it, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, and it does it in such a short time period. Yes. Yeah. So it's, it, if you can imagine your musculature, your central nervous system being your force output being maximized at every position in that exercise, it would not take very long for you to be totally inroaded and totally zapped out. Think about a bench press, for instance. If I were totally maximized at the bottom um, when the bar is on my chest and all the way up through that range of motion to where my arms are fully extended, to where I can handle the most weight, if I had a device that magically matched my force output through that entire range of motion, I would really have something on my hands, which is exactly what this unit can do um, right. in, in any in any big range of motion, uh, you know, leg pressing, uh, overhead pressing, bench pressing, rowing, whatever it is, whatever big compound movement we're talking about, I can configure this device on the fly with very, very little setup time to be able to do. Um, so not only is this utilized in an athletic context for, um, you know, it, and I just use max effort day because that's what most, most uh, athletes who are familiar with strength and conditioning can identify with, but I can also use it in a hypertrophy sense where I can extend the time under tension for a longer period of time, um, say, you know, 45 seconds to a, an excruciating minute and a half. Now, is my instantaneous force output going to be as high as it is with that single repetition? Of course not. But the idea is to be able to extend the, um, the time under tension um, for a totally different stimulus and uh, for the time duration required to really, really accentuate the hypertrophy end of the spectrum. Um, and I, I can get an older person in here who we just need to keep some muscle mass on these people to keep them fully functional, ambulatory. And um, keeping their metabolism humming along, because as your listeners know, and as you and I know, Kiefer, is muscle is metabolic currency. Right. I mean, that is the end game. If you have muscle, you are harder to kill. And that's right. just the bottom line. And if you don't have muscle, you're starting to skirt towards the grave. You're one step closer to the grave. Yeah. And I'm not talking about bodybuilding type of muscularity. And that's. That's usually what people think about when you say put on muscle mass, they automatically think Jay Cutler. Bam. Right. Holy shit. Hell no. Or even worse, the female end of the spectrum. I don't even right. follow female bodybuilding anymore because it's gotten so at it, crazy out of hand. Right. But it, you get the idea. As soon as you say muscle mass, that's where the mind goes. Right. I'm talking about normal levels of muscle mass. So I'm curious. You've had, you've had people come through there with ketogenic diet. I would think – just from a metabolic viewpoint and fuel availability that this would actually be really incredible technology for, and, and I don't know why I never brought this up on the last show, but for a ketogenic athlete, mm -hmm. uh, for somebody who really has some specific desire to be ketogenic for whatever reason, uh, even if it's, uh, you know, it usually is the, the case in people who want some sort of aesthetic results. Uh, mm -hmm. Or, or even possibly now, you know, there's, there's the camp that thinks being ketogenic is kind of the cure all for all kinds of situations. So they're very terrified of carbs. This sure. seems like have have you had people in there who have been very strongly ultra low carb 
on with this equipment and does it yeah and I, in that context do they perform really well because i you know i would imagine you can just kind of match the the total power load which would be how much work they do total while they're there to kind of their energy needs or energy reserves yeah sure um I guess the uh, the problem with answering that question is is actually tightly controlling someone who says they're ketogenic. You know what I mean? So that that's there's kind of a it would be great to do a study and and you know and follow the numbers. That would be fantastic. But you know, for my clients that come in and claim to be ketogenic, right. I'm kind of like, huh, okay. <laughs> I you know it's, I'm a little dubious. So uh, in answering that question, I don't know that I can give you a straight answer because of that reason. Are they really ketogenic or not? I doubt it. Um, well, but, if they're, uh, I mean, are you confident whether they're ultra low carb? I, so, you know, yeah. in this context, like I said, I don't, to be honest, very few people who think they're ketogenic have probably never gone ketogenic. Um, but there very definitely is the real possibility that they're not eating many carbs, which is yeah. you know, really where the the your fuel currency comes from when you're yep. under those anaerobic conditions and this you know seems like or you know actually there there's a way for glutamine to be passed through that uh, channel as well but this seems like the perfect way to know you know this person has blown through their metabolic currency uh, they're at yep. the limit of ATP production for whatever reason maybe they don't have enough to fuel the anaerobic cycle and then you can just stop yep. and you still get that yep. just intense Yes. Um, like I, like I call it like hitting, hitting the bell with a hammer. I mean, you just get that yep. intense load and then the body can take over from there and repair the way it needs to without being overtaxed. Dude, I, and I've, I've seen it personally in myself using this equipment during periods where I, you know, um, just because of my lifestyle circumstance, maybe I haven't, you know, I've gone through a prolonged period of time where I look back and I'm like, huh, I haven't had a whole lot of carbohydrates here in the last few days. And it just, kind of aligns with, okay, I'm going to hit a, you know, some heavy duty strength and conditioning today. And you can see it one or two reps, bam, going balls out. And then it just bottoms out. <laughs> it's just right. like, whoa. And it's no force production. I mean, <laughs> right. you go from just falls out to nothing pretty fast, um, yeah. which would make sense, right? I mean, it makes yep. total sense. And then you're done. Um, you know, also, you're done. You, and you're done. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you're done. And then, oh, by the way, that makes a fantastic time to just pig the frig out on carbohydrates. Right. After. Now you've got just that almost a, a sucking vacuum in the musculature that's just, you know, that's just going to suck up every bit of carbohydrate you put in the system. So, um, yeah, and the, and the readouts on these machines, I can see that. I can see it instantaneously. I can see the force drop off, and I know – okay, beating a dead horse, if we go any further, pull the plug. And I can yeah. see that. There's no questioning. There's, right. no, there's no anything. I mean, there's, I, I see it. Bam, done. Move on to something else. And um, I, I'm sure the audience it, at this point, you, you might, like, I, I'll, I'll be honest, you know, this, this might almost sound like a sales plug for the ARC system. And in my mind, it kind of is. I, wanna, I want people to understand how unbelievable, like the unbelievable potential of this equipment and that it's not available to more people to me right now is just a huge shame. And Keith and I talked about this before we got on the show. And part of it is that attitude, you know, these 
some weekend warriors and people who are, you know, in the big iron game, you know, it's that attitude of, well, you know, weights are everything. And, you know, this really is a powerful adjunct and, and people need to, you know, like whatever, if, if you can get access to the arcs fit equipment, you need to go try it out. I, if you try it out once you're going to be sold and, you know, you need, if people would just start going to their gyms and bringing this up, talking to their gym owners about it, even big box gyms, uh, this could literally be revolutionary. Maybe not for athletes. Maybe they're always going to want the big iron, but for everybody else. So 90% of the population, people need to be using this stuff. I would even say, even if they are serious athletes, I mean, I, I, I've been and I've trained in division one football situations. And I can tell you this, the hardest thing to train consistently, even in that environment, even with all the money they have, all the tools that they have, all the expertise that they have, the one element that they miss is that very, very high force, low velocity component of the force velocity curve. They miss that. And why is that? Because it takes forever to set up. It's right. inherently unsafe. It's, you can imagine having a hundred kids and there are a hundred football players trying to set up chains and bands that try to fully hit that portion of the force velocity curve. Forget it. It's not going to get done. You're going to half-ass it. Yeah, you're going to get close, but you're not going to fully tax that portion of the force velocity right. curve. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, but it, it's funny because you you've mentioned the chains and bands a couple of times and those actually go backwards because you they can do. produce yes, but the, that's the conventional – Right. Yeah, that's a conventional answer to that. Yeah. And your machine can circumvent that because you're actually strongest yes. at the stretched position. So on the bench press, you are strongest when the bar is on your chest and then your ability to produce force goes down as your arms extend. Well, chains are exactly the opposite of that. Chains are the lightest when you're the strongest and the heaviest when you're the weakest. That And that doesn't translate into, well, I'm going to be then stronger in my weak portion it doesn't translate that way because you didn't fully stimulate the muscle when you were in that stretched position. Uh, and, and it amazes me, you know, some research has been done and they've shown that like, you know, chains and bands just don't do anything. Uh, and uh -huh. in certain circumstances, they can actually give worse results than just the free weights being loaded appropriately. But then you throw in this arcs fit that actually does and can match that force production curve. And Perfectly. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I I would imagine like they're I'm, I'm waiting for a head-to-head -head testing here uh, at, at a university, and hopefully somebody listening to this podcast will will kind of jump on that bandwagon. But I would imagine you there would be almost no way to beat this system with free weights or chains or bands or whatever you want to throw in. I I just from using it myself and understanding how muscles work, understanding muscle growth. Understanding how strength uh, is produced and accumulated over your training sessions, the stress loads, everything. I just honestly don't think there's any way right now to beat the results that you could get from this machine. This is, this is a machine I've literally dreamed about for, gosh, at least 10 or 15 years. You know, thinking about something that could match up so well and – give you the ability to be concentric only if you needed to be yes. uh, or eccentric only if you needed to be. I mean, this, this is like the Holy grail of resistance training. And 
And I mean, if you have a compromised, um, a compromised demographic that you're trying to work with, I mean, you know, concentric only training, how, how are you going to be able to pull that off smartly, effectively, efficiently, and safely? How are you going to be able to pull that off with any other device? I mean, you can go through a lot of, uh, you jump in through a lot of hoops to try to pull that off, but this machine does it instantly. No setup change, no anything. Just bam, hit it. If you want to go concentric only, cool, we'll go concentric only if that's part of your protocol for that right. demographic. If we want to go eccentric only, bam, we can do that. If we want to go isometrics, one thing I love with this stuff is I like isometrics to work sticking points, but let's face it, with normal training modality, I'm not going to do it because it's boring as freaking hell. I have no feedback. I'm pushing hard, but I have no right. feedback. On this, I have instantaneous feedback. I know how much worse I'm producing. Am I producing more force than I did last time? I can tell. For how long? I can tell. I can see the drop-off. I, I can see all of that, which makes isolation training then pretty damn productive and engaging because now I know. Now I have instantaneous results of how I'm doing. So in many, many types of applications, it's, it's a fantastic tool. And it's, you know, I don't want to sound like a zealot, I do love this tool. I think it's a fabulous tool and I use it in just about every workout that I have, but I also do everything else. Everything from body weights, barbells, dumbbells, sprints, sled drags, you name it, I use right. it. If it works, I use it. This is just one more tool that I have that just happens to be, oh, pretty dang badass. Yeah. And I can use it for a lot of things, so. Yeah, it's, we, we actually, Keith and I and actually Rocky uh, got together and we actually played around on the machines and we have video footage of that that we're going to be putting up on the website here really soon. Uh, so that'll be everybody can check this stuff out, actually see it, see it working again. That's still not the same as experiencing this stuff. Uh, like I oh, and you know we've talked about putting together a montage of the instantaneous expressions of people when they get that first rep. Yeah, <laughs> and we yeah you should because you did the same thing. Your eyes freaking lit up like, what the hell? Yeah, I mean, it I mean, feels like a truck's coming down on you. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it, and in your mind, I'm sure what went on is you made a gazillion connections to how you could use this tool. Because yep. if you know strength and conditioning, you get people who really know strength and conditioning, you get them on there, you convince them to get on, you know, get over your machine bias, open up your mind, get on this thing and give it a shot. And because this is what happened to me too. I had the same bias. I don't want to see a fucking machine. Give me barbells, dumbbells. Right. And, you know, it, I, I had a complete attitude. Dude, I had it down. I've been in a Division One strength and conditioning center. I know how to strength and condition. Are you kidding me? Get the machine out of my face. Right. You get on it one time, and you're just like, holy crap. <laughs> yeah. And instantaneously, you make all those connections. How can I program this thing that all starts running in your head? And this goes uh, yes. right back to what we talked about with diet. Uh, with you, yes. you learn new things, and as you learn new things, you start to adapt uh, adopt them. You get a sense yep. of what's better, why it's better. You understand enough to see why it is better and how it can fit into everything. And at that point, you implement it. it it's not any more difficult than that. Yeah, and and that's what this is. And I just you know my 
My only problem with ArxFit right now is that it's just not more widely available. And for those of you interested, a lot of this stuff happens in grassroots fashion sometimes. And this is a great example of, of, of something that should and could explode that way. And if you ever are in Austin and have the opportunity to try this stuff out, you need to go try it out. You'll, you'll pretty much be sold from that moment on. Uh, yeah. I just, I love that equipment. You guys need to get some in the San Francisco area. I mean, Kiefer, you know me. I'm the least salesman-y kind of guy <laughs> you could ever talk to. But I will freaking talk your ear off, and I am so passionate about this stuff. And that's that's really what it is. If I find something I'm passionate about, I'm all about it. Um, I'll tell you about it. I'll demonstrate it to you. I'll tell you all of its abilities. I'll even tell you its shortfalls. And you'll even form a conference around it. I'll even form a conference <laughs> For sure. Yeah. But you know, uh, jumping real back, quick back to PaleoFX, one thing I wanted to say earlier was the cool thing about being in the position that Michelle and I are in is we, are, we can be like curators at a museum. We don't have to know the answers. In fact, we, mm -hmm. we fully admit we don't have all the answers. But I have access to so many people to bring in so many pieces of the puzzle that every year I get to assemble all these people and I just get overwhelmed with knowledge and new ideas. Yeah. And that is what's that that's really the passion behind why we do what we do. I mean, it is like being a curator in a museum. Yeah. It's very, very cool to be able to ask people and now have the clout to have be able to ask people and say, Oh hell yeah, I want to be there. Right. Because I remember the first years we were begging people. <laughs> They're right. like, what the hell are you trying to do? Um, and thank God Rob Wolf said, yeah, well, you know, whatever you're doing, uh, any excuse to come to Austin, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh. um, and that's, that's how we kicked it off. But, um, but yeah, I just wanted to, I, I just wanted to put out that. And we consider paleo FX a, a curation of fabulous ideas, not just on diet too. I mean, it's lifestyle. Um, you know, if people went to the, to the last conference, hell, we even had a panel on shamanism, you know, that, that's a huge part. If, if we're going to, if we're going to look at the full spectrum of what it was to, of what that evolutionary crucible looked like, that was part of it. There's something there that if we just dismiss out of hand as, as being woo or, you know, something we don't need, we're missing out another piece of the puzzle. So why not examine that as well? That's, right. a, that's a very compelling as a species. I mean, it's within every culture you can find. I, I might actually dismiss shamanism out of hand. <laughs> well, I mean, you have to go. <laughs> I, I'm just going to give you that one. There's a great I mean, book actually by um, Boyer Pascal is the author, and it's called Religion Explained. And it does an amazing job of tying in shamanism all the way to modern uh, religions with cognitive science it is one of the most brilliant books it actually ties those things in with cognitive science so you can understand the cognitive science in the resonances that those things trigger and then you can trigger them in any way you want you can trigger them sure. in the old I mean, school that's... you can trigger them in the new school or you could trigger them independent of religious thought it, it was just it was a brilliant book i thought he did a really good job of explaining sure, and that i think those I think those quote unquote heroes journeys, it, it could be done. And I mean, you could use psychedelics for that purpose. You could use a very, very difficult training for that purpose. And I mean, it, you know, pick your poison and, and run with it. Um, 
but yeah, let's get that guy at Paleo FX for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Get him I, on a panel. That'd be, yeah, that'd be fun. Um, so we are at the end of our hour. We've covered a lot of topics. Thanks so much for being on the show, Keith. Uh, why don't you always, everybody rambles on about how you can find out more about everything we talked about. So have at it. Cause you've got a lot of places people can find stuff out. I've got a lot of places. So I'll, I'll just, I'll just cover the top, uh, top couple. The first one we talked about, uh, the ArxFit equipment quite a bit. So the website for that is arxfit.com a-r-x-f-i-t.com um, and i would also say that uh, if you're in austin if you're in san antonio or if you're in chicago you can get up with this and we can give you a a test drive of the machines um, so those three places right now in general and we have others that are that'll be cropping up soon um, you can check us out at efficientexercise.com um, and of course paleofx.com so any of those three, my personal uh, website right now is down for, uh, for reconstruction and reconfiguring. Um, so that'll be up probably in the next month or so. Um, that'll be ancestralmomentum.com. But right now it's just kind of on, uh, kind of on hold going through a little bit of redesign, but I would encourage anyone who is in Austin, San Antonio, Chicago, coming through those areas to get up with this and get on the machine, even especially so if you, if you are like, I don't need a goddamn machine. Yes, you do. You need to get on this and at least try it out and open your mind up a little bit to different possibilities in the strength and conditioning realm. Do yourself a favor, come and get on it. Um, it it'll, it'll change the way you think about strength and conditioning. I'll just say that. I'll be so bold as to say that. Yeah. Because it totally changed mine when I, when I, when I first was exposed to it. I completely agree with that. Uh, you had me sold on that first trial. So everybody, you know, check check everything out. Uh, keep updated with ArxFit so you can find out when one comes to your area and you can try it out. And uh, thanks for being on the show, Keith. Always a pleasure to be able to chat with you. Always a good time, brother. I'm looking forward to the next uh, barbecue throwdown. Yep, yep. That'll be soon, actually. So that's well, another. Yep. yep. That's another episode of Body IOFM. Thanks, everybody. You've been listening to Body IOFM with your hosts, Kiefer and Dr. Rocky. If you'd like to hear more, log on to body.io. We'll be back next time with more science from the pinnacle of human health and performance.